Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. It's time for some Tuesday football archaeology as Timothy Brown of Football Archaeology joins us again this week to educate us on another aspect of football history. This week we chat about the work of Robert Ripley and an early connection to the history of football. Believe it or not, coming up. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And as we try to do every Tuesday, we are going to talk to our friend from football archaeology, Tim Brown, great historian and author, author of multiple books and author of many tidbits that come out each and every evening for our football enjoyment. Tim Brown, welcome back to the Pigpen. Hey, Darren. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, football season well underway. So Always the best time of year. Definitely. You know, we hate to see the weather start to change, but we know it's football season. It makes it the most exciting part of the year, especially on the weekends. And uh, now now it's spreading out throughout the whole week. So it's just even better, but uh, better for us, maybe worse for the players, but still, still love the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So tonight I thought maybe we'd uh, talk about one of your tidbits you had from mid-August on Ripley's Believe It or Not and uh, some of their thoughts on football. And I think uh, most of our listeners are familiar with Ripley's Believe It or Not. And uh, we're going to get rid of the not part when we talk to you. We always believe you. But let's hear what Ripley's had to say about football. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a truth teller. I don't don't (laughs) make anything up. So, you know, just to back, uh, to take a step back, when I'm doing research on any, any topic, um, that's football related. Um, if I spot, and you know, a lot of the early newspapers, so you know, into even 1920 or something like that, um, a lot of times they didn't print photographs; they printed line drawings, you know, so illustrations rather than photographs. And so I'm always, I just find those really interesting. I find you know, just the artwork interesting in general. And so if I spot one that I think I could write a tidbit about and you know, make it interesting, then I just kind of have a way of, uh, you know, cataloging them and com- coming back to them. So not too long ago, I c- came across this one uh, by, I think his name is Robert Ripley. But so the guy from um, Ripley's Believe It or Not. And he, you know, grew up in California, ends up in uh, working for the New York Globe as a cartoonist. And um, this is like World War One era. And so in 1919, he published a, a cartoon that was basically looking back at football 
prior to the, all the rule changes of 1905. So he's showing all these kind of conditions of what the game was like at the time. But the interesting thing about it was that his first Believe It or Not was published like two weeks after he did this cartoon. So this cartoon is pre-Believe It or Not, if you can believe it or not. (laughs) Um, So anyways, and then, you know, once he he did the Believe It or Not thing, and then he became famous and rich and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, So at the time, when he was still just a, you know, a young illustrator, he did a thing and, you know, he basically showed stuff like, you know, tandem blocking. And, you know, that's where before you had to have, you know, seven men on the line of scrimmage. Sometimes teams would line up, they take the garden tackle from the other side and line them up right behind, you know, the right tackle or, or whatever. And, you know, so two guys in tandem would then push through the hole. Uh, he showed kind of the whole, the days of, you know, when running backs had handles sewn on their pants so that guys could grab them by the handles and throw them over the pile to gain yardage and guys hurdling. Um, and he specifically sh- showed or mentioned Harold Weeks of Columbia in that cartoon, who was famous for, he was famous for jumping, leaping over the line with both feet forward so that he could hit the opposing player in the chest to knock him down and continue running. <laughs> you know? Um but was it, was he the the one that they sort of had that play where they would almost throw him over the line? Yeah. To, yeah. Okay. He, okay. They did it both ways. Somewhere he got got a good head start and he leapt, you know, with both feet forward. And others where they would swing him and then, whoop, you know, pop him over. <laughs> <laughs> Old <Wow>. alley oop. <laughs> you know, they, so I mean, we we still now it's back. You know, Mullins were outlawed for for quite a long time, but now they're back in football. And so we see our offensive linemen. We just saw an example, uh, which game, one of the games on opening weekend, you know, there was a lineman who pushed his, his guy um, across the goal line. Right. And so that's legal again. It wasn't for a long time, but you know, it's still not legal to pull, but back then, you, you know, linemen pulled their, they're running backs, you know, forward as well. I, I think they, they sort of opened that back up again, that uh, famous uh, USC Notre Dame game back when uh, Reggie Bush got pushed over by Matt Leinert, I think, and a couple others. I think that, that critical play at the end, I think that's where they sort of, because it was illegal at that time, but they let it happen. And I think they, it was like the year after that, they sort of uh, lessened up on that, that rule and allowed yeah. that to happen again. Yeah, I mean, it was a big, you know, that was a big part of, I mean, it, it's just like a rugby scrum. I mean, it's, it's kind of where that all came from, uh, but they got rid of that for a long time. Um, but then, you know, they also talked about, or his cartoon also included a little thing on punting and talking about, you know, roughing the punter and which originally was roughing the fullback because the fullback is typically who punted. And, um, you know, as it, there's a long involved explanation of that, which, if you search on my blog, you can find, you know, find that whole thing, the roughing the, roughing the punter and what the, the origins of that. Um, but anyways, just, it was just a cute cartoon. Um, and so, you know, just kind of, um, it, the other thing I liked about it was he, in the article beneath it, he mentions that the changes in rules um, of and more open play that had developed by 1919 when he published this thing allowed some smaller schools to become prominent, you know, and 
he listed like Colgate, Georgia Tech, Dartmouth, Washington, Jefferson, Occidental, and Brown. And, you know, really Georgia Tech's the only one now that's we consider prominent. W and J and Occidental played division three and now Occidental doesn't play anymore at all. You know, so <laughs> so you know the their time in the limelight didn't necessarily last that long. Yeah, that's uh, definitely true. There's a lot of those uh, schools, the Lafayettes and Sawanis of the world too. Those are sort of, they had some, some big seasons and uh, now they're, like you said, they either don't have teams or they're playing division two, II, division three, or, or something else. So, yeah. And the flip side is that, you know, there's a lot of schools that weren't, didn't exist at the time that now are playing big time football. You know, I mean, we don't, a lot of folks don't realize like Florida state was a women's school until like 1948. So, you know, they've, they've changed quite a bit. Right. I mean, they, they were male back in like 1902 or three or something at that. And then they went all female. So, you know, so school like that. And then the central Florida is and the FAUs. I mean, Florida's got a million of those schools. And so does Texas, you know, schools that basically, you know, uh, were little commuter schools or normal schools, you know, that kind of thing. But, but they, you know, times changed and now they're massive, you know, massive, uh, significant universities. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was one of those like Florida international or Florida Atlantic, one of them I was reading about recently. And I was surprised to see that they just started having a football program, like in the 1980s or it might've been even, uh, you know, 1990s, even it wasn't that long ago, they started a football program. Now they're playing, you know, you know, FBS D one football. And uh, it's yeah. kind of unbelievable. Yeah. I think, I think there's about six schools playing FBS right now that didn't have football in 2000. So that, really? that's how, yeah, that's how fast some of those programs got up, up and running. Hmm. And, and then amazing. there were a bunch of them that, you know, even more that did the school didn't exist until well, they, school didn't exist in say 1960, you know, you got a Boise state that was a junior college for a lot of its history. You know, anyways, I mean, there's a, as many examples there are of schools that drop down. There's probably an equal number that have kind of risen up or, you know, they've become substantial schools. And, you know, so they, they go with the, the advertising benefits of intercollegiate athletics. (laughs) (laughs) Football's a moneymaker. That's for sure. It's uh, I think it's been like that for over a hundred years and, uh, still is that way today. So yep. amazing. So, so good, good stuff. And uh, folks, if you want to enjoy this picture that uh, Mr. Ripley drew way back when uh, on Tim's site, there are some links through Pigskin Dispatch. We'll also try to put the link in the show notes of this podcast too, as well as how to get connected to, to, to Tim to uh, you know have his, his daily tidbits delivered to you. And maybe Tim, you could talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, so you can, you know, go to footballarchaeology.com, subscribe, and, you know, you can subscribe for free. There's also some paid levels, but if you subscribe for free, you'll get, you know, at least one email every day that has whatever the the, uh, tidbit is. Um, And then I'm also on on Twitter. Just look for Football Archaeology as well, and you should be able to find me. Well, Tim, thank you so much for sharing this uh, tidbit of football again with us and our listeners, and uh, hope to talk to you again next week about some more. Very good. Look forward to it. And uh, yeah, we'll get together as always. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. 
we invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.